1: If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show.
0: Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fitness Education Online Podcast. I am super excited because we have an absolute rock star on the line this week, uh, a fellow Australian as well down there in Melbourne. So not quite as um, cool as us people in Sydney, but you know, not, not too bad down in Melbourne. Uh, she's managed to set up. And manage seventeen bootcamp locations across Australia, and it may even be more. Every time I check her social media, there's another one or two uh, things opening up, and that's what she's going to tell us today how she did, how she managed to achieve that. So, without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Ms. Alex Tataro. Alex, how are you?
1: Good, thanks. Um, I'll start off by going, yeah, there is a few more than 17 now. What so have we've got, got now?
0: I haven't refreshed my newsfeed today. So how many have popped up in the last couple of hours?
1: So, yeah, we've got, well, once Melbourne finishes this lockdown that we're in right now, we'll have 25. We've just done a bit of a hiring process and we've got some new managers, but the poor things are just waiting. Mm. So they're sort of like, when do I start? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Hang in there.
0: So 25 locations.
1: Yes, that's across the men's and the women's. We've got the Men's Bootcamp Co, which is a men's specific program, and then the Women's Bootcamp Co, which is a women's specific program. And we're just in Vic at the moment.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll dive into that in a second. Just before we do, Alex, i like to start my podcast off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us?
1: I do. I don't know so much if it's inspires or fires me up, but it's one that I find very interesting. And oddly enough, it's it's almost not one that you share, but Ooh. you'll see what I mean. So, and let me get this right. Cause it's slightly long, but it is the real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing at the right time, but to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment.
0: Ooh, what does that mean? Yeah. Expand that one for us, Alex.
1: So I think like for me, what that really kind of brings it back to is we're so quick to say what's on our mind and say what we think in a particular situation. And it's sort of just that reminder to like, just hold back a second, listen, try and understand before putting your two bobs worth in. It's it's almost the same as that quote where it's like, we've got, hang on, what is it? Two, two ears and, and one mouth. So we should mm-hmm. listen twice as much as we speak. It's, Almost the same as that, but I think the really important part of that quote is the tempting moment part because it's stuff that we want to say and it's so tempting to say it, but does it need to be said? This is why I say I don't share it because then people are like, well, hang on, what's she not telling me? What does she want to say that
0: she's now not saying? <laughs> no, 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 I, I love that. Well, I'll, I'll now that I've listened to that, I'll, I'll give my two cents there. I love that as well from many different side of things. Because I think, um, yeah, a few different things. I like it just in any conversation. I think it's better if you can, the more you can listen, the better uh, in a few different angles. And I found this in dating as well. I learned this in, in dating, believe it or not, where it's like you go on a date with someone and whoever does the most talking usually has the better time. So like I'd go on a date and I was like, oh, that was an awesome date. You know, it was a great conversation, but it was just me talking the whole time and I would never get a second date. You she's know, She's
1: gone back to her friends <laughs> and she's like, yeah, nah, don't, not feeling it. And you're on that side going, that was awesome.
0: <laughs> exactly. But when I flipped the switch and I was like, oh, okay. You know, people actually like to, to talk about themselves. It works there, um, but also from a coaching side of things and whether this is fitness coaching, whether this is business coaching, whether this is motivational coaching, whatever, um, I think it's very easy if someone tells you their problem to just jump in and say the solution, Hey, Alex, here's what you got to do, you know, but that doesn't really work. Cause most people don't like being told what to do, but if you can sort of lead that person to the answer, no matter how tempting it is to, to, um, tell that person the answer, you know, it doesn't always, it's not always the best thing to say. And I've seen, have you seen that YouTube clip where it's a lady with a nail in her head? Have you seen that one? No. Okay. YouTube. That's a similar sort of thing where it's like there's a, a couple, right? And the lady's got a, a nail stuck in her head and she's telling her her partner, Hey, I've just got these splitting headaches. I don't know what it is. You know, I think it's stressed. And the the, the partner's jumping in and he's like, it's because you got a nail in your head. She's like, it's not the nail. Why do you keep bringing up the, the nail? But the <laughs> message of it is like, listen to that person, speak it out. And if they can come up with the solution themselves, um, it ends up better. So I, I love that quote there.
1: Yeah, um, and just from a from a client point of view as well, this is one area that I feel like I've really used that quote in as well. Not saying the wrong thing at the tempting moment, Cli- especially in a PT world, but again, any world where it's like that client coach or client practitioner relationship, the client will ask you a question and it's okay to not know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to jump in and give an answer if you're not 100%. It's okay to say, hey, you know, I'm not too sure, but let me go, go away. Let me find out for you. And I'll let you know, like next session, that is okay. You don't need to know all the answers. I feel like that coming in, especially someone coming in new to the industry, that's a big one for them to know. You don't need to know everything.
0: hundred percent. And that's how you get better. You know, someone asks you a question. Hey, that's a good question. Let me do some research and get back to you. And then you do your research and you get back to them. And that's how you get better as a trainer as well. For sure. Awesome. Well, Alex, I'm going to hand it over to you here. You've got... I thought it was 17. Now it's 25. You know, by the time this podcast comes out, it's probably going to be 50 or, or something. Uh, it's going to be a lot of trainers out there that are struggling to to run or to manage one bootcamp. How did you do it? No, I want you to start wherever you want to start. You can be a kid. You can be an adult. It can be five years ago. It can be 50 um, 15 years ago, you know, start where you want to start <laughs> and tell yeah. us how in the world have you managed to to set up and run 25 different locations?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think as well, so I am very much that personality where if someone says you can't do this or only this percent of people do this, I'm like, watch out because I'll be that 2% or I'll be that 1%. Mm. And I specifically remember sitting in my AIF, my, you know, fitness course, I would have been a couple of weeks in and I, I remember them saying this was like AIF, Wheelers Hill back in, I don't know, 2012 right if anyone listening was in that class hi (laughs) um and i remember the teacher saying there's 30 of us in this room and the statistics tell us that only two of you will actually go on to be pts in the long run wow and first of all i couldn't believe they were telling us that when we had just signed up
0: to do the (laughs) the course
1: i know (laughs) i was like what But for me, that was such a, because I didn't do the PT course to become a PT. I did it for my own reasons. I was playing soccer at the time. I was going to uni, I was doing graphic design, but I thought, you know what? I want to do this for me so that I know what I'm doing in the gym or I can better myself. As soon as she said that, (laughs) as soon as they were like, only two of you will go on to be PTs. I was like, watch it because I will be the, like, just watch it. Go ahead. And it's funny because I actually know a lot of my classmates still from that class. And none of them are PTs. Um, You know, I think there maybe is literally one or two of us that have gone on to be PTs. Um, So I did that course and I initially started going around to gyms and asking, you know, have you got any positions? And it was so funny because I remember it was like the first gym I walked into, I got an interview and I got the job. Little did I realize that when you're a rental trainer, you don't really (laughs) get the job. Like I was so excited. I was like, they picked me. No, honey, they (laughs) pick everyone. But um, yeah, at the time I was 18, I was like fresh out of school. So for me, that was like a really big deal. This was like my first official job um, because before that, Mm I had only really worked in hospitality and retail, which I mean, that in itself, when I have kids, they are going to work in hospitality. Yeah, 100%. Full stop. I'm such a big believer in what that teaches you, just like the fast pacedness of it, the understanding how to be in front of customers and Understand that you've got a customer front, but then you've got a back doing things end of it. I feel like that has been huge for me just in personal training. Cause again, you've got the side of you that is with the client, then you've got the side of you behind the scenes that needs to do the work and write the programs and do the marketing and, you know,
0: what, uh, can I ask what franchise you, or what, what, uh, restaurant you worked in?
1: Let's take a quick break.
0: right now
1: it was just the, it was honestly just like the local cafe just okay down the road from me so from where my parents lived dad is actually an electrician and he's the typical greek dad who, um kind of like well, tries to get you a when, job
0: when you when you said i was just so stubborn i had to be that two percent i'm like yeah she's definitely greek and you said, I was playing soccer. I'm like, yeah, she's definitely Greek. Yeah. You're like, no, oh, I had, had a job at, you know, the local cafe when I was 14. Yeah, she's definitely Greek.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and well, I, because I, I only just recently got married. So I got rid of my Greek name. It was Vasilopoulos. Mm. And now, now it's Tataros. So and no one would know. But um, yeah, I, like he had literally just said to, um, the owner while he was doing their electrical work. He was like, oh, my daughter's just turned the age that she's allowed to get a job. Um, would you need someone on the weekends? Like, that's honestly how my my first job was, you know, how I got it. But um, going back to, sorry, personal training. Yeah, I started out just as a rental trainer in your, your big box gyms, I was a good life. And I know they can get a really bad rap sometimes. And I think my experience in a rental role was actually really great. Mm. Um, I also got in when there wasn't, you know, 30 PTs on the floor. Mm. So I think when I started, um, this was at Good Life in Glen Iris, uh, there might've been two or three female PTs in the whole gym. So it was a really good learning experience for me. And I just went straight into this position of, I've got, you know, I think there was maybe 10 of us. There was 10 other PTs that I could learn off. And I was 18. I Anything anyone had to tell me, I was, like, all ears. Like, I don't know anything. Just let me know. Um, And so I was really lucky there to have a really great fitness director. And at the time, I didn't know he was a really great fitness director.
0: Give give him a plug. Give him a plug. What's his name? Corey. Okay. So
1: Corey from Good Life. And if anyone is in Good Life in Victoria would most likely know him because I feel like now he's at, like, a state management level anyway. But at the time, I didn't know he was great because – he was my first Mm. boss, you know, I just thought, okay, this is just how the fitness industry is. This is how a manager in the fitness industry is. I didn't know squat until I I think I overheard it one day. I overheard someone saying that like good life only has two female managers across the state and they need more female managers. And I think I was 19 and I was like, I'm gonna use that to my advantage. And so I emailed like head office and I was like, Hey, I'm studying. I'd moved to management at this point, commerce management at at uni. And I, I, you know, I'm studying commerce management. Would love to, you know, step into a management role. Try this, da da da. I've been a rental trainer for two years with you guys, and within like a couple of months, they were like, "Yep, yeah, which you know, there's these two gyms available. Which one do you want?" Oof. and I was like, "Okay, I think I've used the gender um, <laughs> issue <laughs> to my advantage." Um, and again, I think that stems off that, like, you know, I heard that there's only this many, and mm. for me, that was almost like a bit of a drive, like, you know, watch, I'll be one. Um, and so then I started working there and. Uni was like literally my last thing I cared about at this point. I was really into my personal training. So I had gone so part-time with my university studies. And I just remember getting a call from the uni and they basically said, I think I've been, I've been a fitness director for about a year and a bit at this point. so I've been working full-time and they said, you were forcing you full-time at uni because you're not going to get it done in the, like, even in the part-time allowance that we had given you. yeah, Yeah. So I had to go back to full-time uni and at that point I said to Good Life, I said, look, I have to step down from the fitness director role. And I started looking for things that were going to be a little bit more doable with a full-time uni load. And that was when I stumbled across um, the Ashley Bynes franchise role. And so I had applied for that. And funnily enough, I didn't get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I applied for the job out in Nary Warren as the head trainer and I, I didn't get it. I made it right to the end and then Um, I remember they had called me and said, you know, we really liked you, but with your full-time uni, we think you're not going to be able to give your best thing. And there's someone else who's, we were tossing up between you and her and, you know, she doesn't have the, the additional, um, uni load. So I sort of said, you know, I appreciate the thing, but I do know I would still do a really good job. Can you please let me know if there's any other locations that come up, keep me posted. Um, and I was quite proactive with it as well. Like there was still another job available in the same company that, hadn't been filled. And I said, Hey, I'm happy to travel. I see this one isn't filled. And they were like, Oh yeah, we could could put you in that one. And within a couple of days, they'd actually called me back and they said, Oh, you know, the lady that was going to do it has actually not been able to do it. She's moving into state. So we would like to give you the Nari Warren role.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, awesome. So even though I didn't get it at first, I manage to, you know, by default, get that let's,
0: job. Let, let, let's pause there for a sec. Cause I think there's some really cool things um, there. And I think there's some good messages for people listening as well. Yeah. There's a couple things I've picked up from your story, Alex, which is you've always sort of been eager from the start. You know, it's like, right, I'm in here. There's only two people that are going to make it. Hey, I'm going to be one of those people. Cause there's two ways you can look at that. Oh shit. Only two out of 30. What chances have I got? I'm just going to give up now. You know, or hey, I better work hard to be one of those those two out of thirty. I think that's a, a good mindset there, uh, and also the fact that you've always just jumped at things where it's like, all right, hey, I, I sense this opportunity here. You know, to be a manager, let me go out and actively do it. Okay, cool. There's an opportunity in Ashley Bynes. Let me go out and actively do it. Okay, I didn't do it, but hey, here's another one. Let me go and look further there. Have you got any tips on both of those two things? If someone's listening, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening that's like, man, if someone told me there was two out of 30, I'd just give up. Uh, and same on the flip side, someone's like, man, if someone just told me I didn't get the job, I just you know, wouldn't do it. Or you know, I wouldn't actively go out and, and, and if I heard something, I wouldn't go out and actively apply. I'd wait for them to come to me. Have you got any tips for anyone listening to that on how they can, um, how they can emulate what you did a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it it is a specific mindset. But you know, how they talk about like your growth and your fixed mindset. I think it borders on that growth mindset of like thinking that you do have the ability, and also like I wouldn't call it self esteem, but more self efficacy where you believe in your ability to do something. But the other thing is you got to remember everyone's looking for something different. Mm. And I can't remember where I read it. I think it was in um, the Jay Shetty book. And it was about the fact that it's not about how we see ourselves and it's not about how others see ourselves. Most of our decisions are made off how we think others think of us or mm. how yeah. How we think that others are thinking about us. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and I think reminding yourself that you're generally making the narrative in your own head, you're going, I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'm not, you know, you don't actually know what the person on the outset is looking for. Mm. I you see this a lot A girlfriend of mine, she does a lot of like acting and filming and It's so easy to be like, I'm not skinny enough, pretty enough, this enough, that enough when it comes to that field. But you have no idea what role someone's casting for. Mm. You might be exactly what they need. There is no perfect character. There is no perfect, you know, applicant. It's you are you and put yourself in front of the positions that are going to sort of give you that opportunity of like, if this is what they're looking for, I'm here. Mm. Because if it is what they're looking for and you don't tell them that you're here then it's not there. It's, you know, if you don't try, it's a definite no. You miss and if you 100% try,
0: of the shots you don't take, right?
1: That's, yes. You know, it's yeah. like if Everything they... I just said in the last five minutes. <laughs> <that>. <laughs>
0: Thanks. I've been watching some Michael Jordan um, Netflix stuff. So, you know, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I love it. I think that's, I'll, I'll add one other thing that, that I see in you as well mm. um, that I think could be important too, is that there's there's not so much a fear of failure. It's like, hey, I'm going to go for this and I'm going to give it my all. And if I don't get it, who gives a shit? I'm just going to go and I'm going to get the next one. I'm going to be better and I'm going to get the next one. It's not like, oh, I didn't get it. I must be a failure. I must be pathetic. I must be a loser. You know, I think that's an important note there. It's like, it's just one thing. If you get the, if you, if you make that shot, great. If you did it, cool. Learn from it and and move on. And I just want to uh, piggyback on, on something you were saying there as well a book that i read that was interesting i think it's called psycho cybernetics or something like that have you read that one no. i have not it's like um, the author is a plastic sur- or a former plastic surgeon right and he used to get people you know come into him to to for him to make them look prettier right or to make him make him look more handsome nose job lip job you know whatever it is right And the person would walk in there, you know, they would do the surgery, they'd walk out of there a different person and they, you know, have all these girlfriends and boyfriends or whatever it may be. But then you sort of realized, he's like, hold on. It's not the actual surgery that's making these people more attractive. It's just their mindset. It's what they think in their head, other people are now thinking of them. And I can't remember the exact journey, but he switched from being like a plastic surgeon to being like a confidence coach or mindset coach or whatever it is. And he would get the exact same results. Like that person would go in thinking they were ugly. They'd go out of there thinking they were amazing without the surgery, right? So his his first job was with the surgery, and then he would give them the same result without even doing the surgery. So I just want to expand on what you said there. But all right, cool. Yeah. So let's, let's um, move on from there. So, you know, you're, you were young, you um, you did your studies, you worked in the gyms for a couple of years, was successful there, went for the job at Ashley Bynes, didn't get it, then did get it. Um, continue from I think there. that's what so we're up
1: to, yeah. So we're
0: what, about two years into your fitness industry life?
1: About three at this point, yeah. Oh, I think okay. I'd done two years as a rental trainer yep. and then about a year of um, fitness director and I was still doing personal training at the time, but gotcha. my main role was that fitness directing role.
0: Awesome.
1: And then I stepped into the Ashley Bynes position, um, which was outdoor boot camps. So if anyone hasn't heard of Ashley Bynes, she's like a social media um, influencer, and at this particular time, she had I don't know seventy plus boot 70, camps, yeah. outdoor boot camps. Um, but they were really specific. They were bikini body women's boot camps. So they had a real specific niche, um, and I saw that. I was unfortunate that I started working for him within, I think it was nine months or 10, about a year. She had announced that she was closing down. So here's me just getting this job and being all excited. And then um, very quickly that sort of was like, all right, this is coming to an end. And it was at that point that I really was like, hang on, I need to figure out what I want to do. I still, I loved the concept of outdoor boot camps; Like I absolutely fell in love with it, but I did know as well that, the clientele I was training at that particular boot camp wasn't my passion. Uh, when I was doing my one-on-one role in my PT and stuff, I loved training beginners and those that had a little bit less confidence in the gym. For me, watching someone go from having nothing to, you know, being confident and being able to do that first push-up or to do that first sit-up or to run that first kilometer was so much more satisfying for me than watching someone go from, you know, 10% body fat to 7% body fat. Mm. And I think for some coaches that, that elite level of things really drives them and really gives them that fire in their belly. But for me, it was really about taking someone who didn't know what they wanted to achieve. And suddenly they've got these goals and they're achieving them. And it's those, that zero to 20% for me was so much more than that. Taking someone from eighty to hundred, so I decided on creating my own boot camp. And I just remember it happened so quickly. Like when Ashley said, "Let's that give she-
0: us some, some years." This is what twenty fifteen is it? Twenty sixteen?
1: I think it was twenty sixteen. Okay, I want to yeah. say sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for anyone listening, this is actually how I know Jono. So we worked together at that franchise boot camp. So. Um, when, when I say together, he was in Sydney and I was in Melbourne. Um, but you still felt like you had a bit of a community of trainers. Mm, You had that Facebook page where you could be like, Hey, you know, I ran this really great glow stick session. Good idea. If anyone wants to try it. Um, and I think that's almost like what you've created now with your fitness education
0: online. Yeah, that's one thing. Looking back, I took, I took that for granted at the time. There were a few things going back there. Like I remember I started a bit before Alex. So I started in, in 2012, and I was spinning out at the concept. I was like, oh, sweet, you know, I've I'm you know working at this franchise now, whatever it is. And it was all run via a Facebook group. And I'm like, this is this is back in 2012, you know. I'm like, they're running a business from a Facebook group? Like, is this a real you know thing? Does this exist? That yeah. spun me out. And then at the top, like I, I didn't understand how valuable it was that you had, you know, 75 trainers. With the exact same clientele running the exact same thing that were just sharing sessions and sharing what they did. And you could essentially copy the exact same thing because, like, Alex was doing it in Melbourne. I could do the exact same thing in Sydney. It's not a threat. It's not, you know, I guess it is a little bit copying, but it doesn't matter because it's like that's what it's for, you know, in in that thing there. And, like, yeah, looking back, I just, I was so spoiled for that and I was just lucky I was when I started fitness education online I was like hey I'll start up a Facebook group whatever but now looking back I realize that's what it is because if you're a tra- most trainers are out on their own I know it's a bit different for your trainers because you know they've got you but most trainers that are signing up a boot camp on their own they don't have what we had a Facebook group with 74 other people doing the exact same thing so that's yeah I agree with you 100% but yeah, yeah sorry continue on
1: yeah no 100% though um so yeah, when it when it came to an end, though, I sort of went, no, I'm going to now start my own one because I wanted to keep it going. Um, but it, it is really hard when you've got a client base of you know 40, 50 girls who are not your ideal client. Mm. How do you? You know, a lot of them wanted to continue training with me, and I wanted to turn this business into a brand new sort of market. And I remember at the time I had a couple of trainers working with me, and we had a I called a staff meeting. We got to we went to my house, had wine, cheese, <laughs> you know. My kind of staff meeting, and um I, I pitched it to them I said, "Look, I really want to continue the boot camp, but it's going to be closing down under the current name. I would love to create something that is specifically for beginners where you know all of our marketing is tailored to that plus size um, clientele so that they know that they can come, they can feel comfortable, you know, and I think as well when you first start out in p t or you're doing your course or whatever it might be." In the back of your mind, I well, this is how I always felt. There was always like one or two either friends or family members who I just thought to myself, they're the kind of person that needs my help. Mm. But how the heck do I say that to them without being rude?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because, you know, you become a PT and you think, okay, I've got the skills now to help you know someone who might be suffering with obesity in your immediate family or friends yet who do you end up training you train your fit friends <laughs> you know you you kind of don't necessarily know how to have that conversation of like hey i'd like to start training you i think it would be really great blah 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 because you don't want to cross that boundary if you've got a relationship with that person and so talking about their health and their weight might be something that for them or for you crosses that boundary so for us it was about creating a space where people could really comfortably come and say yes i am a beginner and I want to be in an area with ladies that are in a similar position to me. And, you know, I can relate to them and I don't feel like I'm holding anyone back. And I don't have to worry about, oh, I don't want to get partnered up because I'm going to be the slow partner. You know, there was none of that. And it took probably about a year for Mm. the, the transition to fully happen. So when we put an ad out, all of those new clients would be our our new target market would be that new niche that we were going for. And it just was a matter of time before the clients that were with me beforehand that were, you know, a little bit fitter and needed something different to what I was offering
0: um, sort of sort of thing, you know, correct. It's you know, we was sort of like, on. Hey, yeah.
1: I, I think I'm going to move on. I think I'm going to, and you know, I was obviously like, that's yeah, fantastic. Like as long as you yeah. keep training, my biggest thing when a client leaves me is like, what? You, where are you going and what yeah. are you doing? Because if yeah. you don't have a plan, I'm not letting you quit. You That's know, a, I need a, to see that you've signed up somewhere else before I let you go. Cause I'm not having you sit on the couch for three weeks doing
0: nothing. <laughs> 100%. And it's almost like, I, I almost feel there's a, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, it's a bit different with a bootcamp as well, but I think as a trainer, there's nothing wrong where if you can make yourself obsolete, where if you can do such a good job where that person's like Alex, you know, you've taught me everything. Great. You know, I can now graduate and move on and do something, you know, to the next level. I think that, I think you've done your job, you know, depending on, on where it's many different variations of that, but I think that's okay to do that.
1: I totally agree. And I've actually had business coaches um, in the past who told me that I'm crazy for not having an advanced program. So we've got a beginner's program. Mm. Why would you let the clients go out the other end? You're going to ruin your business, blah, blah, blah. And my response to that was always primary schools still exist. Maybe yeah. go in and out of those, yeah. you know. It, it should be, and with a primary school, for example, you come in, you learn what you need to learn, you do your years, you graduate. Yeah, you graduate in such a good, positive light, yeah. and you have such a beautiful relationship with your primary school. When you think yeah. of your primary school, you only think great things, you have like almost like a um, what's it called, like a sentimental feeling around it. Mm-hmm. That's how I want my clients to leave my business, I want okay. them to come in. Get to the point where they are like, sort of like, hey, I think I need something more advanced. Yeah. And it's almost like, well done. You've like graduated. Congratulations. You're ready to move on. But they're still going to, like, you would with a primary school. You'd recommend the primary school to other mothers who have young children. (laughs) You'll recommend our business to people who are at that beginner phase because it's going to take them from A to B. It's not going to take them from B to C, but I'm not interested in B to C.
0: Yeah.
1: So, that's sort of like my little two bobs on what you said, seeing as you keep putting your two little bobs on what I say. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was that up to? So, right. Then we had the women's camp. This is one, camp-
0: one location at this point? One state?
1: location. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But I did have some trainers working for me at that point gotcha. um, because we were getting, I think I built it. We had about 120 members at one point. Oof. And to be honest, 120 was too many. Yeah. I cap all of our boot camps now at ninety to one hundred yeah, because one hundred and twenty was you couldn't remember everyone's name, their dog's yeah. name. That it, yeah. it just came that little bit too impersonal, yeah. um, and it was just chaotic as well from the back end of it. It was like I'm sure other PTs and business owners have been in this position, but it was like, yeah. oh yeah, I'll, I'll cancel your membership or I'll put your membership on hold, and you forget to do it. It, it yeah. wasn't systems enough, and it was someone was like, oh, this hasn't happened. It's like shit. Um, so yeah, it was just a bit chaotic. And then I'm a big travel buff. <laughs> when I can travel, I, I travel. And I actually remember I'd said to one of my coaches, Sonia, at the time, I'd mentioned to her, hey, I think you would do really well running your own boot camp." And she mm. was um, a little bit younger than I was. And she'd been with me for about a year and a bit at this point. And I'd said to her, you know, I really think you would, you'd do great. You've got the right personality. You've got, and I'd watched her grow as well from being a little bit shyer and timid to just absolutely coming out of her shell and just being this real, just extroverted, fun, caring, personal trainer. And I remember the first time I brought up, she sort of was like, no, I don't think I could do that. It's just not something I could do. And now I go traveling and I say, Hey, okay, well, I'm going to be going overseas. I'm going to go to Europe. Did like your typical solo Europe travel. So I'm going to be gone for a couple of months. I'd love for you to take on a bit of extra responsibility at boot camp while I'm away. So doing things like putting the classes up and the schedules and things like that. And she did all of that while I was away. She did it beautifully. Obviously I was overseeing it a little bit from where I was. I had my laptop, but more or less she did everything. And then when I came back, it wasn't long after that, that she had that conversation with me and was like, you know what? I actually think I probably could, probably could run, you know, something myself. And I was just like, tick, let's get this happening. Let's get you up and running. And um, now, so she was one of my first five that opened. We went from one to five. And of those five, three of them were my existing um, either clients or trainers. So there was two clients that, like I said, were with me from a little bit earlier. They got advanced. I sort of said to them, Hey, have you ever thought about becoming a trainer? Mm. And while they were with me, they did their course. And then when we were ready to open, we had um, yeah, five extra open. And it's funny because Sonia now, she runs she's been running her boot camp now for three years she's our frankston manager in melbourne and the clients would oh, if she left they'd been uproar like they us they just think she is the bee's knees i mean she is she is the bee's knees <laughs> but it's so funny because her initial um fears when she was working under me was like oh they're gonna be disappointed that i'm the coach and you're not the coach because here at Narry warren everyone's just like oh we want alex as the coach And now if I go to Frankston, like if I was to take a class tomorrow at Frankston, they'd be like, who are you? Where's Sonia? We want Sonia. Um, You know, they've just got that beautiful relationship with their trainer. And that's what we really try to cultivate. We try to cultivate our clients need to have this beautiful relationship with their head trainer. And that is it. They don't need to know who runs the business and who's the head of the coaching. No, it's about you and your, and then my clients are my managers. You know, Mm. they're the people that I'm looking after and it needs to be top down. You know, the way that we manage our trainers shows them, Hey, this is the kind of respect and you know, effort that we expect to be put from you guys to the clients. And I think in the fitness industry, there's a little bit of a gap where there's always this great relationship between client and trainer, you know, especially, you know, in your rental gyms and your bigger gyms, the client to trainer relationship is always amazing. Mm. The client loves the trainer. The trainer goes above and beyond for the client. There needs to be that exact same relationship Mm. between business and trainer. There needs to be that same relationship where it's like, Hey, what do you need? Yes. Let me go and do that for you. You know, how are you? And I think sometimes we can forget as business owners that our coaches need us as a coach almost for them. Mm. And just like you would ask a client, how have you been? What's going on in your life? Cause you know that that affects their fitness. Same deal with us. You know, you sort of need to sit down with your coaches and go, you know, how, how's everything going? Are you okay? Is everything all right? You know, what are your goals? Not just in business, but externally, because the more you care about that sort of stuff, the better they're just going to feel as a human and you want good feeling humans in your business, basically. So when we opened the five, that was a really big step for me. Cause I just sort of was I, not that I pulled it out of my ass, but I kind of pulled it out of my ass. Um, I didn't really know too much about the world of, I want to say the world of marketing. That's what my degree is in. I had a degree in marketing, <laughs> but I didn't know um, Facebook marketing and Facebook mm-hmm. advertising. They don't teach you that at mm-hmm. Monash university. Like, let's be, let's be honest. Um, so I sort of went out on a bit of a whim and I got some business coaches at the time and learned a little bit about, you know, your Facebook advertising, but I couldn't believe the results it gave us. Like we managed to open these locations. Unfortunately, this was now in 2019 September. So unfortunately we opened them and within six months, those mm. five locations had all gone into lockdown. Yeah. Cause, cause it was Melbourne. 20- 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And they had all just been building up. We started them with about 30 clients. They'd built up to 40. Some of them were at the 50 mark and then they all went into lockdown and everyone trained virtually. It was fine. But my husband, well, my partner at the time, now husband, over that lockdown, we just went, you know what? There are so many trainers that have lost their jobs and Mm. outdoor training is the safest way to do it now with COVID. People are going to be way more interested in training outdoors in a group than indoors right now. So coming out of that lockdown, I think it was like September, October, we had 11 new locations opening Wow! and we just duplicated what we did.
0: (laughs) You must love pandemics, right? Whenever there's a pandemic,
1: (laughs) Alex just opens
0: another five, 10 locations.
1: That's it. And I think with anything that you find daunting as as a task, so when you hear opening a new location, that sounds daunting when you think of it as a whole, but if you break it down, none of the steps themselves are actually hard. You know, if I said to you, can you open a SEEK account? Yes. Mm. Can you write the job description? Yes. Can you have a phone call with someone who's interested? Yes. Can you conduct an interview with someone who's interested? Yes. Can you get their certificates? Can you get them down to take a session? Can you sign a contract? There is none of the steps themselves are hard, but the concept is hard. Mm. And so I think having those steps written down and, yeah. My husband and I, we actually went out to a wine bar one night with
0: a <laughs> That's I'm, a I'm whenever... holding it up. I
1: just realized you can't see when I hold things up <laughs> on a podcast. I'm holding up a notepad. Um, we went out to a wine bar with a notepad and a pen and we like wrote down every step we could think of mm-hmm. and we put it as a date. We just picked, we didn't know, we picked a date. Oh, we should hire a month before we start training them, before they start selling. We just, again, went with something. And then each year we've just tweaked that. We found what worked, what didn't. And from there we've sort of, not mastered the 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 sales and the opening of new locations, but we definitely have something that works and we're continually evolving it. And so now, yes, coming out of this lockdown, we've got another, I think, six or seven opening.
0: Okay. A C- couple questions with that. So I'll just expand on something Alex said earlier, which I think is important um, the way she takes care of her, her staff or her team, you know, she's got trainers under her. She takes care of them like they're her clients essentially, which is so important. And Alex mentioned it's, it's often missed. I think that's what gives rental gyms the bad reputation. I think it's not a bad system. That's why you probably had a good experience because you had a good manager there. I think the system can work if it's a good manager in place there. You know, if it's like, okay, you know, 300 bucks a week, well, I mean, is it a lot of money? Depends how you look at it, right? It's, it's maybe a lot of money if you're getting nothing for your money. Right. But if you're getting access to the gym and you're getting all the equipment and you're getting stuff and you're getting free training and you're getting aircon and you know, as, as long as that, as long as you're getting looked after, it's not a bad deal. And I know I'm not sure how, how your bootcamp works um, exactly, but I'll break it down. When I was, when Ashley binds, it was, it started off anyway, a 60, 40 split, right? Four 60, my way, 40, her way. I think I I can't remember the exact numbers, but it got to the point I was paying her at least a thousand bucks a week, if not more, if you do that, that split, you know, and if you look at it like that you're like, okay, he's a a rental trainer complaining about paying 300 bucks a week. You know, Jono was paying a thousand or $2,000 a week or whatever it is, but I was happy to do it because I was getting so much more back. For my money, there, you know, I knew it would be so much yeah. harder than I, I did it at the time. Anyway, now I know what I'm doing. It's different, but you know, back then, anyway. So I think that's important. Um, now, okay, so a couple of things. Let me. We'll start with the practical thing, and then also just some of the the mindset stuff as well. So practically, you were running a boot camp with give or take 120 people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say the majority of it was sitting around that like 80s so where we felt really comfortable. Okay. Um, but and yeah, you, it did, did get to a point where it was well over that hundred and it was probably a few too many.
0: Okay. And you had two or three trainers already working for you at that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's also because I was at uni full time. I played soccer. So for me, I was very much like, I don't want to necessarily give up um, you know, something that's important to me in a hobby, I would much rather pay someone to take a session so gotcha. that I'm still loving my life and, you know, showing my clients that you've got to do the things you love. Um, so yeah, I always had that mindset of, you know, happy to pay someone to take that that so role. Of
0: and Of that, when you were running that location, how many sessions a week were being run in total at, from all the trainers?
1: Uh, it was so we we only ran six a.m.s every morning and then six thirty p.m.s every morning. Gotcha. So there so was that's
0: five, ten, give or take.
1: Yeah, about ten. And we've actually dropped it now. Once we started like really focusing on that beginners um, market, we dropped it to every second morning and every second evening
0: gotcha. because
1: people weren't taking rest days. Yeah, people were coming every morning at six a.m. Um, and again on the Saturday, and then either not getting results or not training hard enough because they were sore and you know it was just it was this constant repetition of yeah you need to take a day off but you know i'm paying a membership where i can come as much as i want so i want to get as much as i can out of my membership and it was like uh, i understand that but you know and so when we took away those days obviously there was a bit of uh uncertainty and a bit of uproar from some of them i want to train every day da da da. but end of the day we were doing it for their benefit of like you need to have those rest days and if you want to do something by all means go for a walk go for a run but should you be training at hundred percent every single day? Probably not.
0: Yeah, I love it. i okay. I'll go on a tangent a bit, but then we'll go back to that there. <laughs> I think you um, and I
1: could easily go on yeah.
0: tangent. This is, this is <laughs> bad. Well, no. Well, I'll tell you why, Alex. Because ninety nine percent of trainers that I speak to that I help with their bootcamp, one of their biggest problems is they run too many sessions. Right? They'll run probably on average three to four sessions a day. A six am, a nine thirty, a five thirty, a six thirty, and they've got twenty or thirty clients, and yeah. it's sort of like it, it's a, it's a not a good position to be in because you because an hour session isn't really an hour session. You get there early, you set up, you hang back after, you toys you drive there, you drive it's closer to two hours, right? Yeah. So if you're running a model like that, you're pretty much working all day you got no time for your sales, no time for your marketing, no time for your life. Uh, if you want to hire staff, well, hold on. Now you've got to hire, if, if you don't want to run it, now you've got to hire four different staff for those different sessions. It's a bad model. If you look at what Alex did, um, even if we, even at 10 sessions, let's just say she ran 10 sessions and she had a hundred clients, right? It's, it's not about how many sessions you run. It's actually better to run less. Because then you've got more time, you've got more energy. It's just, it's an advantage to run less. So I think that's a a good point there. Um, And just on
1: that, Jono, sorry, again, to butt in. (laughs) But um, one thing I found at one stage was when we added in like extra sessions, and I, I see this a lot at different studios and different personal trainers. If you've got a lot of clients and you're wanting to double your sessions or add more sessions in. You've got to be strategic about it. If you do, let's say you've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and 6 a.m. And they're starting to fill up and you go, well, you know what? Because they're filling up. I'm going to open Tuesday, Thursday morning at 6 a.m. You don't end up spreading out your clients. Your clients just want to come to more sessions. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, you go, you've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 a.m. You might looking at, okay, maybe I should now open a 6.45 a.m. Or a
0: 5.30
1: a.m. Because that is now going to split yeah. your client base, but by adding extra days, you don't, you think it's going to make everyone spread out, but it yeah. doesn't. They just come more often and you're left yeah. with the exact same issue that you started with,
0: but you're working more. So it's even worse. Correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Okay, cool. So let's go back to your situation. So, okay. So of those, so let's say you were running 10 sessions at that time there. How many of those sessions were you running? How many were run by trainers?
1: I think I was running about six or seven of them.
0: Okay, so you were still yeah. doing majority.
1: Yeah, I was still I was still doing majority. Um, ex- obviously, except for when I travelled. When I travelled, I yep. had all the classes taken by the trainers. Um, and I mean, I had a lot of confidence in my trainers as well. Like, I knew if I wanted them to take a session, that they'd be more than happy to. But for me at the time, I was at uni as well studying, and it was my outlet. It was like neat. I need, I want to take these classes. I'm out in the sun. I'm moving. I've been sitting all day watching lectures. Like, I it took a lot for me to give it up.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So that paints a good picture there. Um, Okay. So then you were like, all right, right. I want to open up five. Did you keep your current location you do in most of the sessions and essentially your three or four or your, your trainers that you had working for you, they were the trainers that um, essentially ran the new locations with maybe a couple more that you hired from seek or friends or whatever. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, it's it's so interesting that you say that because this was probably one of the biggest hurdles that I came over. So, we opened those five, and I think it was was it four, and I was the fifth. No, five, and there was six altogether. But I kept running Nary Warren. That was still mine. Yeah. And I very very quickly realised I couldn't manage my managers properly yeah, yeah. and be my head trainer for my coaches. It was yeah. like both of those groups. We're getting a half-assed me. Yeah. My managers weren't getting the management they deserved, and my yeah. clients weren't getting the head coach they deserved. And I owned up to that as well. Like when I eventually made the decision to step back as a head trainer from Nari Warren, I said to them, I said, It's not fair on yeah. you guys to have yeah. me as your head coach right now because I can't give you everything that I need to give you because I need to give that to my managers. And it was probably like one of the things I freaked out about the most. Like I'd written up this whole thing and like yeah. the day that I had to hit send and send it out to, I just, I was having like heart palpitations. Like I couldn't believe it, but they all took it so well. Like I, on and at the end of the day, I had nothing to worry about. Um, and I had an awesome coach lined up for them to take over from me. And she knew about it a lot, a lot longer before the clients knew. So her and I had been working on slowly transitioning. She's going to take some more sessions. I'm going to step out mm. before we announce it. Um, and even little things like when she first started me knowing she was going to eventually take over as the head coach, just little things like reminding the managers, oh, how great's Tina. Do you guys do Tina's session the other day? Yeah, How yeah. could she, you know, and just really putting that positive energy out there because when you are their role model, they listen to what you say. And so for me, I wanted to make it really smooth and a really nice transition for them. Um, but then yes, I did step back. I stepped back. And opened an extra 11 locations so mm. found myself in the exact same position I right. now had so there were seventeen locations and again I was like I there's too many people here like yeah. I had so many mountains. how could I give each of them my time and I'm a big I want to physically go and have coffee and sit with you and talk you know um, but I just found again I had just gotten on top of it and now I was again drowning and I remember I broke down. I was at a cafe with my girlfriend Sejin and <laughs> I was like stressed to the max. And I was trying to train all these new trainers, and we we're making all these sales. I think we did like 300 sales in a month coming out Ooh. of lockdown last year. Yeah, and I was just so stressed, and I had no time for myself. And we were just just sales, 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 and meetings, meeting meetings. And I didn't. I think at the time, because I was so stressed, she she said to me, she goes, "You need to hire someone." help you need to hire someone in admin and i was like i don't have time to hire someone in admin you know and i was i was at this cafe i remember i was crying and like people must have been looking at me like what is going on over there um and i and sejin's a a personal trainer as well and she was at a rental gym and uh i think she was at good life at the time doing one-on-one pt and here's me sitting there and I specifically remember in my mind thinking, you don't get it. How would you know, you know, mm. um, you know, you've, you you do not run this many, you know, it was just ridiculous. And then fast forward, I think four or five months later, and there I was sitting in the hiring process, looking for an admin person. Mm. And I actually had someone ask me about a month ago, like, what is something that you would tell yourself a year ago? And I was like, well, As much as I would tell it to myself, one of my mates was sitting there telling it to me anyway. (laughs) She was saying, hire someone. Um, And we probably were a little bit delayed in hiring someone, um, but we got there eventually and we've now got um, like an admin person working with us and shout out to Catherine. She's great. (laughs) Um, And again, we're back on top of it now. Like we've Mm. got, you know, that ability to do the things that we should be doing for our managers and keeping it ticking over in a way where it's not all falling on my shoulders and my partner, Anthony's shoulders, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a team effort now. So yeah, it was definitely a bumpy road based on, you know, stepping back and then finding other people and having that.
0: The common thread there, which I think is important for people listening as they grow as a business owner, it's common when starting off to try and do everything yourself. Right. You're trying because because nobody can do it as good as you, right? Nah. That's what I guarantee you. Every single person here listening to this will think the same thing, especially if you haven't made a hire. I can't hire anyone. My clients only want me. No one can do it as good as me, you know? And if that's the mindset and look, it might be true. You might be the best personal trainer ever in the world and no one can do the sessions exactly like you do it. It may be true, but if that's your mindset, you're locking yourself in to never having a life, never having a holiday, never having a day off, right? Um, but if you can see what Alex did, is she, every, and every time she stepped away, she was essentially able to grow. It's like, all right, you know, if I'm just running this myself, I can only get so far. Okay, you know what? Let me step away from running a, running a, um, my own location. Hey, I'm going to take a hit financially. I don't know what that was. That might've been an, a thousand bucks down a week, potentially. You know, I'm gonna to have to take. I'm gonna to have to eat a thousand bucks and just make a thousand bucks less this week. But by doing that, she was able to open five locations, which may bring in an extra. I don't know what it is. Two thousand dollars for for four thousand dollars, whatever it is for, for that week there, right? So by her essentially losing a thousand dollars and getting her time back, she was able to make four thousand dollars as a result. I'm just throwing out numbers to you know to to highlight where if sometimes by trying to do everything yourself first and trying to save money can actually cost you. I'll share it to, to highlight. I'll share the most simple example I learned um, when I started my online business. First ever course, you know, um, how to run a successful bootcamp. It was an ebook at the time because none of this online stuff existed back then, right? And I, I, I'm not good with um, graphic stuff. So I wrote up a Microsoft Word document, saved as a PDF, And I'm like, this is shit. It's good info, but it's just a Microsoft word document. You know, um, I need to make it look better. And I was still teaching group fitness at the gym at the time. And there was Monday nights, my busiest night. I think I taught two classes in a row. It was a hundred bucks for the night. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to teach classes that night because I need to edit this document and make it look good and put photos and whatever it is, you know? So I took the night off work, you know? Didn't make the, the hundred bucks, spent a couple hours on, on editing it. And I made it look worse. And I'm like, <laughs> man, what am I going to do? But then I discovered this website Fiverr, right? Where you can yes. pay someone five bucks to do anything you want. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pay someone five bucks to do this for me. Paid them five bucks and they did. Look, it wasn't an amazing job. It was a five bucks on Fiverr job, but it was a hundred times better than what I could have done. But the lesson there is that, you know what? I was an idiot for taking that night off work. I should have just kept teaching my class, make the hundred bucks there, right? And then just paid someone else. I could have paid them to do a hundred of those things. You know and I would, on not a hundred, 20, 20 different um, versions of that. And it would have been better off financially. So I think the message is, don't try and feel like you need to save money and do everything yourself all the time. If you can outsource it, it's how you go ahead quicker. And then same, Alex then got, um, you know, or, overwhelmed for lack of a better word you know there's so many locations here what am i going to do she had two options it was either like all right i can either scale down and you know get rid of five of these locations here which would have been worse financially but instead what she did is hey let me bring an admin admin person on board now i've got another eight things i can bring on there so i think the important message there from the trainer is if it's just you doing everything yourself you're going to lock yourself in and you can only get so far you need to be able to step away and almost, and in a way admit, even if it's like, look, I know this trainer isn't going to be as good as me to start with anyway, because if they were, they just open up a rival place next door and I'd be out of business anyway. So I understand that they're not going to be as good as me, but maybe they can be 70% as good as me. And if I can get five trainers that are 70% as good as me, I can now run five different locations with me not even getting out of bed. Where if it was just me, I'd have to do it all myself. Um, the caveat to that is that you need to be a good manager. Right. You can't just hire these people and think that's going to run themselves. And that's probably the message that you've heard from Alex along here as well, where everything she's done is looking after her team. That's how she can do it there. Um, Alex, I want to be sensitive of your time. I know we've only got a couple minutes here. So if someone's listening to this, there's a trainer listening to this, they're like, okay, this woman's boot camp sounds cool, or you know, Alex sounds cool. I just want to connect with Alex. Where do we follow you? Your personal, your business, Facebook, Instagram, your website. Where can, all of the above. Where can we go to, to find out more?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've um, the women's bootcamp co or the men's bootcamp co ones. Their their Instagram is just at the women's bootcamp co or at the men's bootcamp co. You can find them there. Um, if anyone wants to connect with me personally, they can do that as well. I'm at twbc underscore alex so that's how you can find me but um yeah i i honestly like love having these conversations as well and as you can see i mean you and i can talk (laughs) we're gonna we'll have to organize a whole nother episode to talk about everything else um but yeah i one thing as well that um i'm actually planning on doing is well we've semi started is running our own podcast so um People can also find me there if they want to hear me talk a little bit more um, and also hear from my partner, Anthony, um, that uh, you could search two things. You can search bootcamp co pretty sure it'll come up. Um, but the actual podcast itself is called the client and coach podcast. Um, so there's some episodes of like Anthony and I, and when I say some episodes, there's only three episodes at the moment, <laughs> two of them were filmed two a year ago. And, oh, okay. and then we just like every good business. owner, we started a podcast. Whoops. Forgot about it. And then a year later we were like, let's start this again. So we actually filmed our like third one last week and we had such a good time doing it. And then the timing of you being like, Hey, let's jump on and get you on here. I was like, everything is telling me, get back into it, start doing it again. And we know I can talk. so.
0: Awesome. All right. And I'll make sure I put all those links in the show notes as well. So everyone can check them out. Um, Alex, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover today. Anything I should have asked you, but forgot to, or anything you want to finish us off with?
1: No, I think that's, I think that's pretty much everything. The only thing that came to mind before, just when you were talking about that whole management side of things. um, One thing that I remember, and this is something, you know, I say I didn't take much from my uni degrees, but in my, one of my management courses, I remember them specifically saying to us, like, there's no such thing as bad employees. Yeah. There's only bad employers. Yeah. And I found that so fascinating because if you take, let's say like a checkout girl at Coles, right. That job can be given to a 14, 15, 16 year old, and they can mm. do it well because they've been trained well. Yeah. But if I get Elon Musk and put him behind that yeah. that Coles checkout and say, can you check this out? He'd have no clue what to do because yeah. he, it doesn't matter how good the person is. You can take the best person in the world. You need to train people to be good at their position. And I yeah. think that just ties straight back into that whole management side of things. It's not about whether they're the best or the, this or the, that it's more about, have you got the skills to help them be good at what they want to do?
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, Another, so the most common question, I'll be super quick because I know you've got to run in a minute, That's all right. um, but the, the most common question we get in our Facebook group is, Hey, where can I find a good trainer? There's no good trainers around, you know, and there's a couple of things with that. It leads on to your point there. Well, there's no bad in- employees, but if you listen to what Alex has said throughout here, where she's probably got 25 or more trainers working for her, a lot of hers were her ex clients, right? Where it's like, Hey, I've got a client. I see potential in this person. I'm going to hire someone with zero experience and zero knowledge and train them up to be good. That's a completely different mindset to, Oh, how can I just find someone that's awesome and assume that they're just going to work for you as well. So on
1: that though, I would never (laughs) recommend, I'd never recommend putting a, so a client turned coach should not coach the clients. They were once a group of.
0: Yes. Good point.
1: That's a whole podcast in itself. Like the, all of those clients that became coaches, they ran their own boot camps with their own clients who didn't know who they were beforehand. But mm. taking a client, turning them into a coach, and then making them coach their
0: peers—yeah,
1: it's a very—it's um, not a—it's not a nice flow. It they it's just feel respect. It is. It's hard yeah. to go from that. I was best friends having wine with these people on the weekends, and now I'm telling them what to do at boot camp. You know, it, it can be done. I'm not saying it can't right. be done, but it it's definitely something to consider that some people don't really think about how that dynamic is going to feel between this new coach that once was a client. So yeah.
0: I th- yeah, I'll leave it something. on that. Um,
1: but yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll yeah, have was, to make gonna... <laughs> this an annual podcast. Yeah. I was, I was
0: going to expand on that, but I'm like, nah, well, I think we're over. Anyway. So hey, <laughs> let's leave it at that, Alex.
1: Easy. I'll have you on my podcast and we can expand.
0: <laughs> Book out two or three hours, right? Because judging <laughs> on the way this one went.
1: Easy. Easy. Thanks so much for having me, Jono. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au.
0: Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans?